right, welcome everybody to the new year, the first service of 2024. Go ahead and find your seats. And um, hey, we are simulcasting across the entire United States. So here in New York City, can we just get loud and welcome everybody on the simulcast right now? We're so glad you're here. Hit that subscribe button, follow, share, tag, give all your money. It's what they think. Isn't it what they think? I got to give Jocelyn a raise, guys. She didn't make anything. <laughs> she said, I don't make any money. <laughs> Hey, we're so glad that you're here, though. Uh, this is Vision Sunday, so I have some of the most important announcements that I'm going to make this entire year. We're going to make them here. I'm going to save them for the end of the sermon, and so you've got to stick through the entire thing to get to the end, because I'm going to be announcing, honestly, more than I've ever announced in the history of our church. So let me start by saying I want to honor all of our Dream Team leaders who every single week set up campuses across America and, and they, they literally pray for their people on their teams, they care for them. I wanna shout out all of our service pastors who will marry you and bury you. Uh, they'll take you from birth to, to the grave. You know, we have a baby dedication next week, somebody told me, so um, if you have a baby, I'd say even if they're up to a toddler and they were never dedicated at all of our physical locations, we would love to dedicate your baby to the Lord next week. Um, but I want to shout out all them. Our campus pastors across every location are amazing. Harvey and Jess, uh, I am, I, they're doing such a good job in Miami. And after spending two weeks in the Dominican Republic, I'm tempted to spend more time in Miami because it was nice. I came back to a snowstorm here in New York, and the devil was like, welcome home, son. <laughs> okay, so we're going to take our Bibles out to the book of Joshua. This is a standalone sermon. It's not in a series. This is a special event that you're here for today, and I especially want to shout out Long Island and New York City for braving the storm and, and making it to church. Y'all are the real ones for coming out today in person. And if you're watching online, um, just go ahead and share this with a few friends, and we're glad that you're here digitally as well. That global online family is so special, and I'm looking at many opportunities in 2024 to physically meet all of you in person. So um, I want to talk about vision, and I want to preach a message about vision because I've studied vision for many years and as I've studied vision, you know, you have the legends like John Maxwell, who has great perspective on vision. And I've heard the gurus and the thought leaders all talk about vision. And as I was in preparation for this message, I said, you know, God, I'm somebody that um, ha has incubated visions with you for many years and taken them through the birthing process. And and although there's much more to accomplish in life, I'd say that I've earned the right to speak on the topic of vision at this particular stage in my life. And I said, Lord, I think one thing I've never done is I've never had a conversation with you about what vision really is. And, and I've never had that dialogue. How many of you dialogue with the Lord? Yeah, and I said, I, I said I, I've received other leaders' thoughts about vision, but I myself have never actually articulated what I think it is. And so I'm going to start with an equation because as soon as this came out of my spirit, I just felt an oil on it. There was a grace on it. And so here's my 
Here is my formula. Here's my ingredient list. I, I look at it like an equation. Um, I'm mathematically minded. And so often in life, I think about things in terms of equations, and it helps me simplify very complex things. And so when you talk about vision, there's this hype version of it, like God's got a vision for your life, you know, or like, I just got to get a vision. And, and you know, and, and the reason why prophets are so popular is because our lack of vision can be paralyzing. Our lack of vision can be depressing. I mean, sometimes we're discouraged by our lack of vision. And sometimes when someone else says they have a vision, it doesn't encourage you. It discourages you like, when am I going to get it? And I've, I've often been in that time and season in life where one time I remember I told God, I said, God, this is so unfair because I was faced with a very difficult decision. And I said, it's so unfair because you gave Mary an angelic visitation and told her what was coming. You know, you gave Moses a burning bush and literally showed him a sign. And, and here I have to figure this all out. And he's like, well, I did better. I actually gave you the, the word of God. I gave you the Bible, <laughs> you know? And so, but oftentimes we can be in these seasons of life where we're perplexed and we say, I have the word, I have biblical accountability and oversight. I have pastoral leadership, but I don't have vision. And where, what is that vision? What's the vision for my marriage? What's the vision for a single season? What's a, what's a vision for my job, my vocation, my career? By the way, how many of you know that not everybody should be in full-time ministry? And if you do it right, marketplace can be ministry. And we need more Christian politicians. We need more Christian businessmen and entrepreneurs. We need more Christian teachers that are in public school environments. And am I the only one who believes that, we, that when we say spirit break out, we mean break all the way out? And there were 12 tribes of Israel and only one of them was Levites, but the rest of them were. And so not everybody worked in the temple. Can we just stop romanticizing being on the church payroll for a second and actually think bigger and think kingdom and not church? Okay. That was a rant. So when we talk about vision, here's the formula I'm going to show you in scripture. Cause once you see it, you can't unsee. Oh Lord, somebody text my wife. I was supposed to bring clarity planners to give away. Y'all, Evan had me rushing here so early in the morning. Um, <laughs> yeah, so tell Julie, bring them if she's not here already to this location. Um, so I would encourage you, though, before I go deeper in this message, I have a book entitled From Chaos to Clarity. If you haven't read it, read it, and we have connect groups where you can read it because it goes even more in depth to what I'm about to speak on. How many of you would like to go from chaos to clarity? Okay, so that book perpetually sells all around the world because people are like, it's so basic but so profound. And then number two, we just debuted what's called the Clarity Planner. And I believe the Bible says, teach me to number your, your days that your heart may be full of wisdom. There's a direct correlation between numbering your days and operating in wisdom. And so um, if you don't have a plan, you're planning to fail, right? So failure to plan is planning to fail. And so this year is not the year to just hope that God does something spontaneous. It's spontaneous to us because we have a pea-sized brain, but it's not shocking to God. Amen? So if you've ever been in a worship set that felt spontaneous, it was only spontaneous to you, not to God. Like there is no such thing as spontaneous to God. You're belittling his mind. 
okay? It's so God, when you partner with him, he will reveal. Another scripture says he does nothing without first revealing it to his prophets. And so God will enable you to, to actually, what I believe the prophetic is, is the mind of God migrating to the mind of man. He knows it and he's revealing it to you. And so we wanna, we wanna partner with him. So here's the formula for vision. So simple yet so profound. It's where are we going? So I know many of you are taking notes. Vision is where are we going? It is who are we going with? And it is when are we gonna get there? That is vision, straight up. I'm gonna do it again. Vision Biblical vision is where are we going, who are we going with, and when are we going to get there? And as you change those variables, you change the outcome. And so you must have each one of those variables locked in. You cannot deviate from this formula and fulfill God's vision. So now we go to Joshua. Moses and Aaron are transitioning out. Moses just died. Israel is mourning his death. And then a new leader emerges and he's anointed by God. His name's Joshua. And Joshua has to put the variables within this equation. So Joshua has to say, where are we going? We are going to Canaan. What does Canaan look like? The land flowing with milk and honey. Woo! Come on. It, it's the land flow. So this is where we're going is Canaan. Who are we going with? Oh, that's a deep question because not everybody is supposed to make it to that destination. The vision that God gave you for where you are going, the who matters just as much as where. And so not everybody is supposed to go where you're supposed to go. Stop putting lifetime expectations on temporary people. When the rocket boosters fall off, it's because they got that rocket to the stage, but there's a greater force that's going to take over. And so you don't romanticize rocket boosters. You simply understand it's a mechanical process to getting to another altitude. There are some people in your life that God divinely used to get you to a higher altitude, but when they disconnect, don't be discouraged. There are some pastors that were supposed to shepherd you in one season, but didn't have the depth to take you to the destination that you're ultimately gonna be on. There are some churches that serve as a, an incubator. They are a womb for a gestation period of a baby, but that doesn't make them your mother just because they were your womb. Oh, I'm, am I talking too deep? Sometimes God will use something, somebody to carry something that they're not supposed to keep. So they carry it, but they don't keep it. Oh, come on, y'all. So some other pastors may have carried you for a season, but that doesn't mean that they are going to keep you past that season. There are some relationships in our life. That's why we got to cut soul ties off because soul ties aren't just what you have as a result of sexual relationships, but it's also what you have as a result of spiritual relationships. So you can have spiritual soul ties just like you can have sexual soul ties. And God's saying, I'm trying to get you to a destination and the who matters just as much as the where. Are you with me? So let me show you this in scripture and we're gonna keep go really deep on this. So Joshua is envisioning this land that flows with milk and honey. And then in Joshua chapter one, verse three, there's a promise. 
Every, and if you have your Bibles physically, you can even circle this phrase. It's the phrase, I will. Everybody say, I will. That's the language of God. When God speaks to us, he uses the, he uses the language of certainty. Everybody say certainty. God is not guessing. He doesn't speak in maybes and he doesn't speak in might. He speaks in I will. I remember as a teenager on my bedroom wall, I wrote, I will, I can, I will, I shall. Because as I would read Genesis through Revelation, I would see this is the way God talks. I want to sound like him, not like my friends. My friends are broke, busted, and disgusted, but God's not. I want to sound like him. I don't want to sound like them. In 2024, the greatest influence of your life shouldn't be an influencer. It should be God. The greatest influence in your life should be the word of God. You have to sound like him if you want to get his results. And so he says, I I didn't even get past two words. I will. Somebody say, I will. So you have to be in complete alignment and integrity to the things you say. The Bible says, let your yes be a yes and let your no be a no. If you said you were going to show up, show up. If you said you were going to do it, do it. Because credibility decreases as your integrity decreases. So the reason why people in my life start getting scared when I start talking is because they know I will do it if it comes out of my mouth. I'll I'll never forget when I found out I had earned that level of credibility because I started talking about how God had, to my wife, Julie, how God had showed me he was going to use me to do something in an Asian nation. And Julie started grabbing my suitcase and was like, I'm going to get your suitcase out. And I'm like, I'm I'm just talking hypothetical. But there was such an alignment of what I said with what I was going to do. And when I think about Moses versus Joshua, Moses was a maybe. But Joshua came into alignment. God said, I will, so I'm going to say, I will. Moses was a people pleaser. Joshua said, I'm going to please God. Moses was constantly listening to the opinions of people. And Joshua was constantly dismissing the opinions of the people. Are you listening or are you dismissing? Come on, y'all. Is this helping you? Are you listening or are you dismissing? Some of you are listening too much. You need to dismiss more than you list. So Joshua 1.3 says, I will give you every place where you set your foot as I promised Moses. So watch this. Why did Moses not get the promised land? It wasn't that it wasn't promised. It's that he didn't align his footsteps with the fullness of that promise. Moses only got as much as he took. Are y'all hearing me? He, he told Joshua, I will give you every place that you set your foot just as I promised Moses. So the question is not what is God willing to give you? The question is how much are you taking? <laughs> That's why in the new covenant it says, the kingdom suffers violence, but the violent take it by force. So the question isn't how much does God want you to have? The question is how much are you taking? Because one thing I learned in my life is that nobody's going to give it to you. Matter of fact, they're going to compete with you. They're going to talk about you. They're going to be complaining, backbiting, murmuring, backstabbing. Matter of fact, the people that you go to for the most support are often going to give you the least support. The people who you think understand you the most are going to be the ones who have the least understanding of who you truly are. There's some weird phenomenon in life 
that they have an identity and a version of you that will not allow you to get to the destination that God promised you. And you often will find that it's hardest to break out of the mold of the people who are closest to you. There's just some weird phenomenon. So Joshua was rising up in the ranks. Joshua was in their midst the entire time. There was a familiarity that Joshua had to break through because they'd say, well, this is just Joshua. Who's Joshua? And you know, they would say, Joshua's the new guy. What Moses had years on him. Who does Joshua think he is? So Joshua had to deal with people's opinions, people's perspective. He had to deal with all of this and he dismissed more than he listened to. Is this helping you? So guess what? As you look at this, it says, I'm going to give you every place that you put your feet. So here's the thing. People used to tell me, how do you know that you're called to New York? How do you know you're called to New York? Who do you think you are to come to New York and start a church? And you know what I would tell them? I wouldn't say, well, God told me he was giving me New York. I'd say it's simple. God chose me and I chose New York. Therefore, God chose New York for me. See, and that way of thinking got me Miami too. It got me Indiana too. It got me Bakersfield too. See, don't be so concerned when people are saying things like, well, you know, how do you know God called you to New York? God called me and I chose New York. So what do you, so then he's going to give me New York because he chose me. So he, therefore he chose what I chose. Does this make sense? Because Christians think too small. Christians think too small. Did you know that when I interact with people that run stadiums, they say that Christians have the biggest poverty mindset. We don't make money when we do Christian events, which is why we don't give permission for Christians to use our stadiums because they want everything for free. See, this is what I have to move V1 Church past the smallness of this thinking to say that's why the song that went viral from our house was called The Cost. That's why the movie trailer where I scream preach across America, I will not give God that which cost me nothing because Christians are cheap, but true believers in the kingdom pay every cost. So Israelites in, in, in under Moses leadership was give me manna every day. Oh, y'all, I'm preaching better than you realize. The Israelites under under Moses was, we just wanted to fall out of the sky. But then under Joshua, they said, let's go kill every single giant and eat the biggest grapes we have because it's more satisfying to eat what you kill than to eat what was given to you. And so some of y'all got a free lunch mentality when God said, stop waiting for the free lunch and start eating what you kill. I've raised you up to be a warrior and you got to shift into that other mindset of it's not going to fall from the sky and be given to me. I'm going to take it. Nobody's going to give me New York City. I'm going to be buried in the soil of this territory because I'm taking it. They didn't give me a venue. We showed up and took a venue. They didn't give me a microphone. I took a microphone. Some of you got to shift from Moses to Joshua if you're going to get to the destination of the vision. Ah! The best thing that ever happened to me is nobody came to save me but Jesus. Nobody came to save me but Jesus. And as a child, I waited every year. Somebody's going to come and save me, and it never happened. 
And at 15 years old, I realized only Jesus came to save me. Every bit of the rest of it has to be a shift from Moses to Joshua. So what's the formula? The formula is where are we going, who are we going with, and when are we getting there? So let's go a little bit deeper. Okay, so let's talk about your companions. Look at Joshua 1.9. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Sounds like a command, not an option. Do not be discouraged. Everybody emphasizes fear. Nobody emphasizes discouragement. And it's not, it's a command, don't be discouraged. So you're mad at your, you're mad at Pastor Eddie for telling you not to be discouraged? Well, he doesn't know how hurt I really am. Well, you're going to be real mad at God when you, when you realize that Pastor Eddie's just repeating God. We are not, okay, hot take, hot take. According to the Bible, we're not even allowed to be discouraged. <laughs> but what about Paul when he gets arrested and the dung and the feces and the urine and the smell of that jail cell is increasing? Doesn't he have the right to be discouraged? No, he actually obeyed God, refused to be discouraged and started a worship set in a jail cell and then the prison broke loose. I mean, I can give you a million stories in scripture that the supernatural begins to be unlocked when we refuse to be discouraged, even when we have every right to be discouraged. It's not about what you have a right to, it's about what you refuse. You have a right to be sad, refuse to be sad. You have a right to be discouraged, refuse to be discouraged. You have a right to hate men, refuse to hate men. You have a right to hate pastors, refuse to hate pastors. You have, come on, it's not about what you have a right to, it's about what you refuse. This is the year you stop being a baby. This is a year you stop being so delicate and soft. Come on. This is the year you stop having a pity party. Some of you are like, I stopped partying years ago. You have a pity party every day. You were more fun when you did the other party. <laughs> stop feeling sorry for yourself. It's only proving how little faith you have in God. Stop feeling sorry for yourself. It's only revealing that you don't believe he's going to promote you. See, here's the thing. I ain't mad when they don't like me because I got the favor of God on me. I am mad when they don't like, I got the favor of God on me. You can't stop the favor of God. The favor of God is more potent than any power of a president. The favor of God, it'll shut governments down on your behalf. The favor of God will open any and every door. I got the favor of God on me. I'm a tither. I give in the offering every time it's an opportunity. I serve the local church. I preach the gospel. I led somebody, I led a pastor's son back to Jesus in the the Dominican Republic using the Translate app on my phone. The favor of God's on my life. You can't even stop me if you tried. This is what I'm trying to get to you. Stop trying to get the favor of man. Pursuing the favor of man will make you a pleaser of those people. But if you live your entire life trying to get the favor of God, you will be unstoppable. Oh, it took me so long to learn this. You know what? That, that's Joshua. Joshua just doesn't care. 
So let's talk about companions. Look at Numbers chapter 14, verse 24. But because my servant Caleb has a different spirit. Somebody say, I'm different. Come on, look at your your spouse and say it sassy. Say, I'm different. (laughs) Some of you who don't have a spouse just look next to you and you said, hello, darkness, my old friend. (laughs) Somebody say, I'm different. Because my servant Caleb has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly. Woo, I feel the anointing. Somebody say wholehearted. Wholehearted. Somebody shout it. Wholehearted. This is the only way that you enter the kingdom. Wholehearted. Did you know that Jewish people, they had a binary thinking. Binary means on, off, left, right, up, down black, white, binary, only two options. This is becoming increasingly difficult to communicate to our culture because we have what we have philosophically moved into another era. And, and, and so people now can justify anything, but ancient people, the Jewish people had binary ways of thinking. So watch Kadesh, clean, unclean. That's it. You're either clean or you're unclean. That's it. You're either clean or you're unclean. When Jesus preached the kingdom, you're either in or you're out. You're either a son of the devil or you're a son of God. No middle ground. There's 10 virgins. Five of them are wise. Five of them are unwise. No middle ground. You're either wise or unwise. Jewish first century thinkers People who spent their time in the Torah were binary thinkers. Marriage had one definition. Society had a rule to it that they believed was established by God for human flourishing. So they did not justify things. And if they did try to justify things, there were harsh penalties and consequences. And would you guys like me, because Isaiah Saldivar is begging me to do this, because we have this, uh, would you like me to preach an entire sermon series on the book of Leviticus this year? Okay, everybody, that's it. I love reading and teaching the book of Leviticus, and it will help you understand the mind of God, because God is not trying to, he's not subjective in his thinking. You know, most movies nowadays, the hero and the villain are both somebody you identify with because we've romanticized even villainry. And now it's like, we have this phrase, just tell your truth. That's a new way of thinking. Ancient people said, no, there's the truth and we all got to get in line with it. And so I say that because Moses had a subjective reality. He was going back to God on behalf of the people saying, they're having a hard time, God. Can't you just work something? It was like he was always trying to mediate with them. Joshua shows up and he was like, enough of this. We know what's right. We know what's wrong. Matter of fact, can I just tell you, because everybody's always asking me everything under the sun. Is this right? Is that wrong? Is this right? Is that wrong? What if I told you, if you have the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of you, anytime you have to violate your conscience in collaboration with the Holy Spirit, you know what's wrong. You don't need a sermon. You need discipline. Because you know, so what if I told you 2024 is the year 
that you don't violate the conscience that the Holy Spirit has given you in your own mind. You knew it was wrong before you said it. Why'd you say it? Because it felt good when you said it. So you're willing to exchange your next level for a feeling? <laughs> Y'all aren't ready for this edition. You knew it was wrong. So here's what Joshua did. Joshua shows up. We're only in the first chapter of the book. And he just simply says, hey, Israel, we're not doing that anymore. If it's wrong, it's wrong. And if it's right, it's right. We're gonna live holy and we're, we're not doing that anymore. And I don't know who I'm talking to, but this is the year that you live holy. This is the year that you shut your mouth when you should shut it and open it when you should open it. This is the year when you block and ban people and then you follow the people you should be. This is the year of being binary. This is the year of saying there is wrong and there is right. There is what God says and this is what flesh says and what the devil says. I don't, I'm gonna be a wise virgin. I'm gonna be a son of God, not the son of Satan. And I'm gonna be all that he wants me to be. Is there anybody who's willing to stop living in the gray. There are not 50 shades of gray. There is wrong and there is right. That is it. I want to be on the winning side. I want to be found on the right. The right side of history isn't what woke theology is saying today. The right side of history is what will always be true and you'll find out on judgment day. So I want to be in alignment with the truth, not my truth. That's your truth. No, it's not. Jesus said, I am the truth. Anything other than a resurrected Jesus is not the truth. It's a lie. Numbers. Caleb has a different spirit. And look, I will bring, look at the phrase, I will. Everybody say, I will. I will bring him into the land that he, that he went to, and his descendants will inherit it. Somebody say, Will. See that language of certainty? If you're a Joshua, you need a Caleb. Get your Caleb this year. Get your Caleb this year. How do you know they're Caleb? They're wholehearted. They're not doubters. They're not complainers. They're not murmurers. Your Caleb isn't talking about what Chase Fleeman messed up and how he's not a good enough leader. Your Caleb is not talking about how Daniel Santis doesn't get it. Your, your Caleb is not the one talking about how everybody is wrong, but they're never wrong. Caleb is not looking at faults and failures. Caleb is looking at opportunities and he's looking at destination. He understands vision is where you're going. It's who you're going with and it's when are you getting there. And those kind of people are wholehearted. Surround yourself. Okay, if you don't want their bank account, don't keep their company because you're being influenced by their way of spending, their way of thinking. If you, if you look at their countenance and all you see is despair and discouragement, that's not a companion. Now, that doesn't mean you can't encourage them. That doesn't mean you can't lift them up. That doesn't mean that, I'm not saying you, you dismiss them from your life, but what I'm simply saying is the word is companion. I'm talking about companions, and we often make the mistake of not being a leader to who we need to be a leader to. We end up becoming a companion to the people we should lead. Oh, are you with me? You're not their companion. You're their leader. 
And, that, and some of you need to shift that perspective. Some people that you think are your friends are actually your followers in disguise. You need to learn how to lead them because actually the longer you go without leading them, they're leading you. But then there's other people that are your companions and those are the people that are wholehearted. That's what the entire book, Chaos to Clarity, is about. You know what wholehearted means? It means going V1. Now, we have pilots that attend our church. You can fact check me on this. But this is the name, the meaning of the name of our church. When you go V1 in an airplane, there's major calculations that are done on the runway to determine the length of the runway. Length of runway, and it's a velocity speed. The way that an airplane is built is like a bird. It has two wings that go out. And if you get enough speed, which is time over distance, the, the law of nature of lift begins to take over and the plane will fly no matter what. Does this make sense? It can't stay on the ground any longer. It's time over distance creates lift that gets you to the destination. So let me freak you out. The V1 speed must be determined. How much runway do we have and how fast do we have to go before it takes off? And in every commercial airplane, in every private airplane, when they hit V1, they have to take their hands off of the controls of the plane because there's so much speed and velocity that that plane lifts off the ground and what happens is they could cause human error and actually kill and crash every, everybody in that plane. So the airplane, so every flight you've ever been on, they, they take their hands, they loosen their hands on the control and they utter the phrase V1. Because what they're saying is this thing has to fly. So what is vision? Vision is where are we going? Who are we going with and when are we getting there? 10 years ago, I helped a man named Reinhard Bonnke do an event in a Chicago arena. And he was one of the greatest men of God on this planet. And I used all of my energy to try to fill a stadium so that he would have just one moment to baptize every single one of those thousands of people in the Holy Ghost and fire. And it was one of the most rewarding things I ever did in my life because I got to the stadium. Matter of fact, the Chicago newspaper put me a picture of me like this with my arms spread out. And they did a whole article about how tens of thousands of people filled an arena in Chicago. And, and I remember the moment when Reinhard Bonnke got up there and Reinhard Bonnke said, now the time has come and you are all going to be filled with the Holy Spirit and you're going to begin to speak in tongues. One of the most, and I, I thought about the hundreds of conversations I had with pastors and leaders in Chicago to make that moment happen. Well, I was flying over Chicago, coming into our Indiana campus, and I looked down and I saw the arena, and that memory hit me. And I said, Lord, let me have the, the mantle of Reinhard Bonnke. Because Reinhard Bonnke, remember the equation of vision is where are we going, who are we going with, and when are we getting there? See, I played a part in Reinhardt's story, but Reinhardt's not here anymore. He died and passed away, a general of the faith. He's gone now. Reinhardt's gone. And so I begin to think about, I said, Lord, give me the mantle of Reinhard Bonnke. Last summer, I was asked to preach in Switzerland. So the biggest conference to pastors in their nation. I met my translator before the event and I said, well, tell me about yourself. And he said, I used to be Reinhardt Bonnke's interpreter 
and I haven't interpreted for any other preacher since Reinhardt has died and you're the first preacher that I'm interpreting for since Reinhardt. And I begin to weep. And I said, I love that man of God and I was able to serve him one time in my life. And so when I flew over Chicago, I said, God, give me that mantle of Reinhardt for Chicago. Give us a stadium so that we could do the event for the breakers this year. And I have been prophesying and declaring stadium for the existence of our church. When our church was 20 people, when our church was 30 people, I would literally say, we are going to a stadium. That's the vision, we are going. And so I just wanna tell you guys through a series of events, and I'm announcing for Vision Sunday, I'm gonna start with the biggest one first. For 2024, October 26, we are going to Now Arena in Chicago for the Breakers Conference. I want you to see it. Somebody shout if you believe that it is time. I believe that we are gonna see the masses baptized in the Holy Ghost and fire in this generation. I believe from the north to the south, the east and the west, that this arena will be filled with the nations, with the Breakers Conference. And what they tried to shut down in New Jersey is gonna be rebuilt in Chicago and spirit break out. Nobody's gonna shut us down this year. Now let me tell you, why is this significant? Keep the picture up. 1998, Sandra and Doolittle stood in a line outside and didn't have money to get in. And 25 years later, Doolittle's doing the event in the stadium. But God, but God, but God, does somebody believe that God is gonna do exceedingly, abundantly more than we can think, ask, or imagine? Does somebody see the vision? It's where we are going, it's who we are going with, and it's when we're getting there. Let me just tell you, there have been some people that didn't make it over that line of 2024. And I can tell you, sometimes we lose precious families in this church that I wish we didn't lose. But can I tell you, most of the time, we lose the people I was hoping would stop coming. Why? Because if you're not teachable, I can't teach you. If you got so much pride that you can't be led. See, that's why Psalm says, he leads me beside still water. See, you can't get beside still water unless you're willing to be led. And I can tell you that there are many people that didn't make it over that line in 2024. And there's even gonna be some people that see what God does this year. And it's gonna be a conviction on their own heart. Maybe they'll come back. But I will tell you, Joshua had to kill a man named Achan because they were given explicit instructions. When we go into this town and we take it, don't take anything for yourself. Stay in a posture of selflessness. When you were, if you were to ask me, Mike, how did you go from standing outside of the stadium in 25 years preaching in the stadium? I'll tell you, 
Because when God calls you to take territory, don't ever take anything for yourself. Stay in the posture of generosity. And so there are people, I think over this last year, who are we going with? The Lord was working in our church saying, there are some people that aren't going to this next level, but there are people who will. There's people who will, the teachable ones, the humble ones, the meek will inherit the earth. I'm looking for meekness. And I believe that God has taken us. I, I just wept. I wept. And you know, I love it's called now. The state, it's called now. The stadium's called now. It's where we're going. When are we getting there? And we're getting there now. I want to read you this last thing. Somebody say timing. Joshua chapter three, verse five. Whew, I feel the oil on this. We got to get the communion ready. Give me the communion. Let's go. We got to get the communion ready across every location. I went five minutes over and Evan didn't cut my mic. Praise God. He told me he was going to bring a big cane and just pull me off stage. He's being nice. Thank you so much. So we're going to do communion. I'm going to tell you about the timing. I'm going to tell you about the timing. Oh. I'm going to teach you a Hebrew word, say Kadesh. Say Kadesh. I had to give a little bit of Midwesterner, Kadesh. It means consecrate. So let's do this as we get our communion ready. Joshua chapter three, verse five, this is what it says. Consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Consecrate yourself for tomorrow the Lord will do great things among, among you. So when we talk about when, I'm gonna tell you a secret now. If you wanna accelerate the promises of God, consecrate yourself. If you want it to happen faster, consecrate yourself. Joshua said, this is the third chapter, verse five, he said, consecrate yourselves, Kadash, there's only unclean and clean. If you move over that category from unclean to clean, Tomorrow, God will do great, mighty things. He was trying to help them understand the only delay is the fact that you haven't consecrated yourself. Once you consecrate yourself, delay will be removed. He said, to, he goes, go ahead and do it now. Consecrate yourself for tomorrow, God's gonna do it. There were some things that felt so far off in my life and I realized it was, the delay was almost always a result of sin in my life. And when I remove sin, I remove delay. When I removed the sin, I re and it was because I was building trust with God. He was saying, you know what? I wanted to give it to you, but I want you to keep it. And when you stopped sinning, you started proving that you were going to keep what I was going to give. And so Joshua says, hey, hey, consecrate yourselves, Israel, for tomorrow God's going to do it. Somebody say tomorrow. Tomorrow's breakthrough is a result of today's consecration. So before we do that, where are we going? I'm gonna prophesy this over you. Your marriage, if you're married, will be the healthiest marriage of both of the bloodlines you've inherited on your mother and father's side. If you're single, get ready because you're gonna be the first single person to get that season right on both bloodlines of your family. Where are we going? I'm giving you another vision. Your finances 
are going to come up under the favor of God and they're not, it's not going to be addition and subtraction. It is going to be multiplication of seed because he gives seed to the sower. That's the vision. That's where you're going. You're not going to always have to check the price because you're going to know that God multiplies seed for the sower. Okay. Let's talk about your mind. Where are you going in your mind and your emotions? Here's the destination. You are not going to be riddled with anxiety. You are not going to be dependent on medications. I know I'm going to get canceled for saying this, but I'm going to say it anyways because I'm a faith. I'm a preacher. I, I speak in faith. I work for God. Don't tell God what he can't do. So, I mean, to, to cancel me is to cancel God. See how that worked. They canceled Jesus. Three days later, he came back and ate breakfast right in front of them. I'll be, I'll have a bacon, egg, and cheese with, with uh, pepper and ketchup right in front of you after you cancel me. What you going to tell me? I can't tell somebody that they, that they can get healed in their mind and not need medication? Like, who are you to tell me what God can't heal? I'll go to my dying breath believing what I just told you. And then when, when, you, when I'm dying, I'll say, lean in, and I'll say, how you like me now? And that'll be my last words. <laughs> Come on, Jehovah Sassy's in the house today. I'm giving you vision, y'all. I want you to borrow this attitude. That's why I do it. Borrow this attitude. Okay. Consecrate yourself for tomorrow. God does great and mighty things. So what we're going to do is I want you to do this. This is his body that was broken. So I want you to take it and we're going to consume his body. This is consecrating. Our body is made whole because his body was broken. Now I want you to take this cup. And we're going to take the blood now. His blood was spilled so that both of your bloodlines could be purged and cleansed. Now here's what we're going to do. How are we getting there? How? I told you what? I told you when? I told you where? But I didn't tell you how. February the 9th, we are doing a marriage conference that simulcasts across our locations. We're doing both campuses combined in space of Westbury. I believe that the things that your spouse said were unforgivable, they're about to forgive you. I think the wedge between you is about to be removed. And if it's anything like previous marriage conferences, you're gonna have the most mind-blowing sex you've ever had in your life that night. And nine months later, we're gonna be dedicating some babies. Say amen, Bella, say amen. Youth, where are my V1 youth at? Where are my V1 youth at? We got some teens in the house. We are debuting for the very first time, July 5th through the 7th, V1 Youth Conference. Come on, we're doing it in Indiana, at the Indiana location. We're all coming together, the youth from around the United States and some overseas, and we're debuting a youth conference July 5th through 7th. Where are my men at? V1 men, we are announcing our very first men's conference and we are doing it August 9th and the 10th at our Indiana location. Men, it is time to rise up. This is something I want you to be encouraged about. I, I have mentored and led pastors from around the world for the last several years. I'm starting a network for pastors starting this year called Movement Network, and we're gonna ask them to join the movement. And so tell your pastor's friends, July 5th through, nope, 
May 14th through 16th, Movement Network is birthed and we are doing a pastor's conference and expanding the kingdom through our house. Okay, V1 Women, where are my Free Women Collective at? This year, we are doing three... Oh, there you are, Jules. I could have used your help during this service. <laughs> she still needs a leader, y'all. <laughs> we have three women's retreats that we are offering this year to get across the United States. And guess what? I'm showing up because that Sunday I'm going to be preaching at each one of the locations as well. It's going to be amazing. So Miami, April 25th through the 27th. New York, July 25th through the 27th. And Indiana, September 5th through the 7th. We are doing this thing. And you can go to one of them or you go to all of them. And then V1 Men, we can go hang out and eat some good food down the block. Put that arena up one more time. But the Breakers Conference, how many of you are coming to the Breakers? October 26th, we're going, we're going there. Already I got Jenny Weaver confirmed. My girl, Jenny, I told Jenny, I said, you were there for the first Breakers Conference. You got to show up to the stadium. Already my, my friend Vlad Softchuk, he's in. My friend Isaiah Saldivar's in. My friend Alexander Pagani, who's down the street's in. So it's going to be the Demon Slayers, Jenny Weaver, maybe a few more guests that we'll announce as we come. But guess what? It's time to pull off the gloves. We're bare knuckle fighting the devil. We're going down and we're saying, Lord, we're taking everything, everywhere our feet goes. This is the year of the Joshua generation stepping in and saying, I'm taking it all. So come on, Father, I thank you for every location. I thank you for every campus. I thank you, God, for the birthing of these conferences. I thank you, God, for the women's ministry, the men's ministry. I thank you, God, that Vision Sunday today, we know where we're going, we know who we're going with, and we know that we consecrated ourselves today. So tomorrow, we step in, somebody shout amen.